Hey everybody, Doug here, one of the hosts and creators of the Genre of Your Life podcast. I'm bringing you a bonus episode this week. Uh, no regular episode of the Genre of Your Life this week, unfortunately. We, we had a bit of a scheduling conflict with the work schedule between myself, and Nick, and Joel. So uh, no worries, we'll be back next week as normal with another episode of the show. Um, but one, in the meantime, I wanted to bring everyone a bonus episode that will kind of hold you over in the meantime. Um, but as always, if, you could, if you're listening, listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, your podcast platform of choice, uh, hit that follow button. Uh, leave a review and rating. It helps the show out tremendously. And as always, we thank you so much for your support. So with this week's bonus episode, um, got a few things coming out this week in movies and TV. Um, but I wanted to share two things that I watched recently, reviews, uh, one movie, one show that I want to talk about with you all. Um, the first movie I'm going to talk about on today's show is uh, the new movie Renfield. Sorry, Nicolas Cage as Dracula, Nicolas Holt, directed by Chris McKay, who... Uh, Directed, I believe, the Lego Batman movie and directed 2021, uh, 2021's uh, The Tomorrow War, which is on Prime Video. Um, and you know what? I've been actually admired by this guy a little bit just because of, you know, I love seeing people who worked in stunts and visual effects and editing kind of become filmmakers. I think it's pretty cool that they learn so much on the things they've done before, before they were filmmakers, and now seeing them take the director's chair or producer's chair is very kind of inspiring to me. But also just I love seeing kind of people branch out what they're normal doing, whether it's an actor doing mostly comedies now, does dramatic work, or uh, a com- comedic actor now doing directing horror movies like Jordan Peele or John Krasinski or Zach Kreger who did Barbarian. So it's I always like seeing people kind of break the status quo when it comes to doing new things in the industry. And this guy, I wasn't the biggest Lego Batman fan. I think it was kind of like a step down from the, the original Lego movie, but I know there's a huge fan base for it. Um, I actually really enjoyed uh, 2021's... Uh, the Tomorrow War, with, Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. I think it's a very underrated sci-fi movie. It has its flaws here and there, but I thought it was very enjoyable. I think the visual effects were top-notch. So uh, it's on Amazon Prime now. I, I highly I recommend that movie if you have time on your hands to watch this movie. But yeah, I was looking forward to seeing this movie, Renfield. Um, I was supposed to go to a screening of it last week, but something going on with the work and other events going on, so I missed it. But uh, I saw it this weekend, and again, I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan. I, I love seeing him back in kind of like mainstream, big budget movies because you know he's been doing a lot of like VOD, straight to VOD movies or very very low 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 budget independent independent films. So um, I enjoy seeing him back on the big screen. Uh, and I think last year what he did with uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was a such a fun movie. You know, he's poking fun of himself as an actor, but. You can see he's having fun returning back to the big screen, doing these kind of like mid to big budget movies, and I think uh, it was it was refreshing seeing him back in a big comedy like that he did last year. Again, he's playing himself, and it, it works. It's super funny. It's super meta, but it works all in the right way. So with this going in, I like the concept. I like uh, the I like the premise. I like who's involved. Uh, you know, for a quick little recap, the Renfield basically is has been Dracula's assistant uh, for the past almost 100 years uh he's been kind of like his right-handed man when he needs people to uh eat uh renfield gets uh people for to dracula and with a lot of a lot of errands you know finding a new lair finding a new like relocation when things when things get uh found out between the two of them so uh it's a action comedy horror that was pitched in the trailers and again big nicholas holt fan who plays renfield his assistant and again huge nicholas cage fan who's playing dracula so I was very happy going into this movie, um, and you know what? It's it delivers on a lot of stuff. However, there are things that it kind of like it kind of hurts itself in the making. So, but starting off with the good, I do feel like the acting here is very very solid. Um, 
Nicholas Holt definitely carries this movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage is, you know, it's definitely president in scenes, but this is Nicholas Holt's kind of movie. He's shining in this, you know, he's the title character. Uh, Dracula kind of almost plays like a background character uh, to this movie where, you know, yes, he's the main, one of the main parts of the movie. However, Nicholas Holt has to really shine and carry and do everything for his master, which is Dracula. So you're seeing a lot of Nicholas Holt kind of doing a lot of self-discovery, um, learning about codependency, learning about, you know, toxic relationships in the workplace, which is kind of funny with this little kind of support group he's part of, um, kind of figuring out, like, who he wants to be as a person, why is he doing this, why is he still doing this after so many years. Uh, you know, he never ages, like Dracula, he never ages. And so it's like, you know, he's been, he's been doing this for so long. What's the point of him staying around this long enough? And I thought it was very fascinating how they're kind of, like, kind of exploring, like, his ment- his like mental side of who he is, and you know he he wants to be good, even though he's doing some really outrageous and evil things to you know get people to so his, so his boss can so his boss can eat. And I thought it was very funny seeing like him in support group, again, the whole whole self discovery thing, which is kind of like meta in its own way. Um, and I think that worked very very well. And like I said Nicholas Holt really carries this movie as an actor. I think he's a really phenomenal actor. And like I said Nicholas Cage. You can tell he had a lot of he's having a lot of fun with this movie, and even though he's not the big part of the movie, he still shines in the scenes that he's in, and he's a great Dracula. I think he's very he's very menacing, but at the same time, there's a lot of charm to him at the same time. Which I think is and kudos to Nicholas Cage as an actor that he can you know balance this craziness, darkness, but also has that same kind of charm no matter no matter who he's playing, whether it's Castor Troy and. Uh, and uh, Face Off, or um, I forgot the name, guys, his character's uh, name in uh, National Treasure, he has his charm to him no matter what. I think he's very impressive as an actor. Um, and, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of supporting characters. Again, I, uh, Ben Schwartz is in it, who I, I who, you know, John Raffio from Parks and Rec, and he's the voice of Sonic from Sonic movies. And I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, I met him actually once in LA at a premiere years ago, and he was super, super friendly. Uh, so, again, a huge fan of his. And during his scenes, he has, he for sure has moments to, sign, moments to shine. He brings a lot of comedy to you know, the story to the, his character arc, his background. Um, but again, he's not really like in it much, but when he's in it, he, he definitely, he ha- he brings this kind of like, uh, bring these comedic chops to the movie, to his role. And, I, and again, I love seeing him on screen. Um, Aquafina is good. You know, I see a lot of, a lot of stuff. She's one of those actresses. I feel like in a lot of movies kind of plays the same thing. Um, and you know, I, I do like seeing actors kind of like, change up their typical role or, or typical kind of like uh, character approach. Again, I think she's a great actress, but I do feel like she's kind of doing the same thing as she always does, whether it's in Shang-Chi or um, I think she was good in Nora from Queens. I think it was a bit different, but uh, other other things she's been in. But uh, I don't think she, she, I wish to give her more to do. I think she's kind of just there just to feel like, hey, she's here. She's a big name now. She's a big comedian. Let's just put her in there. And I think it's that, the way her her the way her character arc storyline is very generic. It's a very generic kind of revenge story, um, you know, through the subplot of the movie, and it just kind of took away from her who she was as a character, what what her purpose is to Renfield, what the purpose is to the story overall. So it's distracting at times. Also, I do feel like her and Nicholas Holt don't have any chemistry, and on screen you can you can tell that like. Yeah, they're there and they're acting and like they're acting. They're doing pretty well as actors, but there's no chemistry between the two of them. And Nicholas Holt is also like three feet taller. Not that it doesn't matter, but it's just there's there's no kind of spark and there's supposed to be kind of some kind of romantic 
love interest and it's not really fully explored and it's very kind of forgotten maybe halfway during the movie so you when you see it you'll see that there's really no kind of interest between the two of them i mean you, you see it on you see it through nicholas holt but with him and aquafina during the scenes that they're in it's just very kind of like oh yeah like here we are we're doing the scene together it's more of like they're doing like a improv skit than it is a actual you know rehearsed scripted line and who knows maybe this movie was improved a lot I don't know that's for sure, but it felt more like it was just more like an improv, like kind of like acting class than it was a, again, well-rehearsed, scripted dialogue scene. So that's why I think I stuck out the most to me. That's one of its flaws. Um, but the biggest flaw, however, is that this movie to me kind of had a genre identity crisis where it didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't want to be a horror movie, a comedy, an action movie, because there are a lot of things that are just crammed inside this movie. And again, it's a very short movie. It's only an hour and 30 and with credits. So it's a very quick, you know, hour 30 and it goes by fast. But they felt, they do cram a lot of action, uh, uh, big, these big action set pieces with horror, a lot of comedy. And uh, I remember, but it's fortunately, I went, went to the theater, to, went to the theater seeing it. And there was no one, there was like maybe three other people in there with me. And I'm like, oh, it's on a good side. It's, it's getting pretty favorable reviews for the most part. But going in i was like oh this isn't a good sign and again it's one of those movies that the jokes weren't landing as much and i similar thing with i saw cocaine bear a few months ago it was uh, that theater had more people in it and same thing the jokes weren't landing and i think the script made made me a bit of a punch-up or a rewrite because a lot of the humor just didn't really work for myself but also the three other people that are in my theater so it was like uh uh-oh and I think the horror stuff of it was fascinating in the beginning, especially a lot of horror in the beginning of the movie, but the horror kind of quickly goes away more and more throughout the movie and becomes with this huge kind of like a huge action, um, action, uh, gore fest. And I compared, I compared it to my, I compare this movie to almost to like Fright Night, both the remake and the original, plus uh, a splash of the movie Hot Buzz by direct by uh, Edgar Wright. Um, uh, right, you know, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Scott Pilgrim, The World's End, Baby Driver. Les Lyons Soho is a phenomenal director, one of my personal favorites. And in Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz is a very, very gory movie, but that's a style with action and gore and violence. And to me, this movie tries to like, be, tries to become an Edgar Wright movie in multiple different ways throughout during the huge action, the fight scenes, the action set pieces. And it kind of, it just became that. It became just, over the top gore, but it was very like not even like real gore. It was it was you can tell it was so it's so fake. It's very, very comical. It's very cartoonish. Like the, all the blood looks really fake and very like uh, very like just kind of you know, like, very like low budget in a way. Um, so it became just all about the gore and these huge like kind of parkour fight sequences. With it, they're very work very well choreographed. Don't get me wrong, but they just didn't feel like this was the movie that they were going to pitch in the beginning of the movie as well as the trailers. It just became this, it went from a comedy to a horror, back to a comedy, back to this huge action, you know, uh, full of gore, blood, you know, fight scenes. Again, it was very well choreographed, but it just didn't feel like it was all the same movie at some times. It felt like, okay, we're going to have this part be a comedy, this part be a horror movie, this part be an action gore fest. And if they blended it together more efficiently, like a Hot Fuzz or a Baby Driver or... um, Trying other examples. Oh, like, it, it kind of reminded me of Kick Ass, the first Kick Ass. The first Kick Ass was like a superhero movie, but it was also very gritty. It was, very, it was, it was, like, it was, like, it was like a crime drama at times, but it had 
a lot of absurd violence, a lot of gore to it. And watching Renfield, I had a flashback of watching Kick-Ass for the first time because it's very cartoonish violence. It's very cartoonish, you know, uh, gore and blood. So it felt like that a lot because I'm like, oh, wait, this is just kind of just like uh, cartoony, like, you know, like, haha, like gore fest. So I, the, I think the movie needed another rewrite or as well as just more time spent with it because it did suffer from having a identity crisis of what genre wanted to be. And if they focus on either one or two or one in general, it would have helped the movie out a lot. I think you said a lot of movies too that tries to, tries to balance a lot of characters, but also try to balance a lot of uh, genres. And, you know, it kind of, it hurts them in the long run because if the movie just focused on one or two genres, or like a hybrid genre, like a, like a, com- like, a like a hard comedy, like Megan or uh, freaky, um, other examples. But if you can focus on two in general, that's kind of the key of making a really good hybrid genre of a movie because it works this needed this needed to know like, hey what do you want to be do you want it to be a horror movie do you want to be a comedy do you want to be an action movie because that's where it hurts the most in this movie because I'm like oh like if you focus on one thing or maybe spent more time with like you know longer again I do like short movies but maybe a bit longer maybe an hour forty five or at least two hours they could have explored more with it and could have explored more of the horror aspects because again I wanted to know more about the horror within again because I want to see Nicolas Cage kind of like unfiltered as Dracula. I want to see more of like the lore of his Dracula. What do you bring differently to the table? Because I think it's it's brought up the beginning of the movie and it's done very well, but it just kind of goes right back to like the comedy right away. So that's where suffer, suffer from, suffer, suffers from a lot, unfortunately. And watching it too, is kind of like watching um, like 21 Jump Street or the style of like Chris Lord and Phil Miller who, Phil Miller who did the first Lego movie, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, um, a show called The After Party, uh, also wrote and produced the Spider-Verse movies, so they have a certain style too, which is kind of similar to what this movie was, but it wasn't as high quality or as kind of like uh, clever as what Chris, Lo- Chris Miller and Phil Lord do with their movies, or Edgar Wright, so it hurts a lot, unfortunately, but you know, again, it's still enjoyable. If you are a Nicolas Cage, you're a vampire horror comedy fan, I would say go see that as a matinee, like an early matinee, don't pay full price for it, or if you or wing watch it on t- on TV. It's definitely worth the rental or worth it on wor- worth watching the stream on Peacock. But I will say, if you if you are curious about this at all, definitely pay the matinee, go to early matinee, see this because I still had fun despite all its flaws and it's kind of, and it's like quirks and the weirdness. But uh, I thought the acting was very very well, and it just it's fun seeing these kind of movies on the big screen because it's why we go to the movies, um, even when even when they're bad or not not as good like this movie was. It's just fun seeing like a kind of goofy, fun movie on the big screen. We're not watching like an Avengers or I don't know, like you know, like, like an Oscar Beatty kind of movie. Which I know, most of those are now we're on you know, Netflix and HBO and Peacock and Hulu. But uh, um, it's fun. It has its flaws, but it's fun. So I'm giving that as of now uh, six out of ten. Um, yeah, it's worth seeing if you can if you're a big Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Holt, Dracula fan. But like I said it's definitely worth the matinee. Uh, next up, I've been watching the show. The show I actually watched this week was. I got put off for a little while because uh, my girlfriend has watched it. A lot of people at work have watched it. And I said, what is this show? And it's called, it's eight, it's 824 on Netflix called Beef. I, I'm i a big Steven Yeun fan. I've been a fan of his for a while. I uh, don't know much about Ali Wong. I've seen Always Be My Maybe. I thought she was really good in that movie. I think she was very, she, she's a great romantic lead. Um, I love her scene with, I love her scene with Keanu Reeves in that movie. Um, but I didn't know much about this movie, about the show, sorry. And I know it was on Netflix. Again, I'm a huge A24 fan. 
uh, intrigued by again, big Steven Yoon fan. And from what people were pitching me to me, I was like, oh, it's a road rage comedy. I'm like, okay, it's funny, but how can you do 10 episodes of a road rage comedy, you know, for that long? And I put off for a while. And then again, my girlfriend said, you got to watch the show. It's so good. People at work, you got to watch the show. It's so, so, so good. Other podcasts I listen to, whether it's uh, Double Toasted or um, I don't know who else who was talking about it last week. I was listening to. Anyway, they were they were highly praising it. I'm like, all right, well, ten episodes. It's on Netflix. They're all out right now. It's a 30, 35 minute episode each episode. I'm like, all right, that's I do like a shorter length TV series at times. So I put it on last week, and the first episode hooked me for sure. And you know, for me, I'm a big on TV. Sh- I'm very picky with TV shows. You got to hook me in the first episode. If not. I won't, I won't come back. I'll forget about it for a while. So I know it's kind of unfair. I probably like the TV shows I missed out on, like Sopranos and other shows I haven't seen yet. But I will watch those eventually. But that's my, my kind of like motto when it comes to TV shows, which is you hook me in the first episode. If you hook me in the first episode, I'm in. Let's keep it going. And the first episode hooked me. I'm like, oh, cool. I like this. Where's, where's it going to go? And what I heard from people, it's like it gets crazier towards the end. I said, okay, well, I can look forward to seeing something crazier. But at the same time, I felt like the, what they did really well was with Beef is that the, each episode, like, it kind of elevated the story and kept you guessing, ooh, what's going to happen next? Don't get me wrong. There are, epi- there are episodes where it does feel like, ooh, like, it kind of feels like even for a 35, 30, 35 minute episode, they do feel like they're dragging a bit. But I, I guess most TV shows with the first, maybe like the first hill is you know the first few episodes are kind of like the hill you're gonna get over to like oh yeah we're setting things up so then the payoff is worth it or it gets crazier after that watch what happens so um i felt with the show very very a lot actually and but the performances by ellie wong and steven yoon are just very very just captivating and like they're really like giving them their all and i like that i like that in this movie in the, in the show except for Again, I knew Stephen Yoon. I'm a fan of his. Knew a little bit of Ali Wong, not so much. And so, I mean, Maria Bello, I know from like other shows and other movies. I didn't know who most of the cast was, which I like. I love seeing shows with new talent. I love seeing shows that like, I didn't know who that person was or who's that person, who's that person. And that works because like, I'm not seeing that person. I'm not seeing Timothy Chalamet. I'm not seeing Jason Sudeikis. I'm not seeing, you know, Jordan Peele or Keegan Michael Key. Like, I'm seeing people that I've not seen before in shows, which is like cool. I'm seeing them now as new actors to my eyes. And I love that because it, it, it didn't take me out, and I like seeing kind of just like new, new new actors and what they're bringing to the table and what their performances are like. And in this show especially, I think every performance was really earned, and they, they really brought their A game because you can tell in a lot of TV shows nowadays that do they want to do actors want to be there? Are they really into this whatsoever? And I feel like every every actor that I saw in the show like was really wanted to be there. They believed in this material. They were giving good dialogue, giving good scripts, giving good direction, and that all works together very well in this series. So with each, with each episode, I saw better, more and more better acting from everyone, even from Ali and Stephen Yoon. So it was like, wow, they're really kind of like just bringing their A game. And also, I feel like a twenty four. I'm a huge Night 24 fan. Uh, and I, I didn't know too much of the, the other TV shows prior to this. I mean, except for Euphoria. Again, I, was, I am a Euphoria show, Euphoria fan, but Euphoria definitely is a tough watch. And it's very it's very dark and it's very gritty. But um, this show kind of had like a Safety Brothers feel to it at times. We kind of like putting a knot in your stomach of like making you feel anxious. Like, oh, no, just go home. Just go home. Like, don't, don't do that. Forget about it. Move on. Like, don't do this. And... Um, 
the uh, Safdie brothers have done uh, Uncle Gems, Good Time, and other movies. They're, they they make anxiety induced movies of like, oh man, don't do this, don't do that, go home, don't forget about this, make better decisions, and they and those, and those characters don't. And with this show, similar feeling of oh man, like they just keep they keep doing the wrong things no matter what, like keeping the wrong decisions. Like oh man, it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the ass down the road, and it does. And I I th- for sure suffer from secondhand embarrassment. So like I was either closing my eyes or like, uh Oh, like what's going to happen here. And Oh no, don't do that. Like, Oh, I'm feeling cringe. And to the show's credit, it did a really good job of kind of like exploring that. Um, and like I said, it's for a 10 episode series. They do a good job of kind of keeping, keeping things moving forward. However, I do feel like mid mid season, there was for sure points of slow points and points of that kind of dragged. I'm like, all right, this could have been cut down a little bit, or you could have made the episodes maybe, Eight or nine episodes total, not not ten episodes, because that would have made things a little bit more tighter. Uh, thinking that the show could have helped a little bit with was a bit of made tighter run times, because again, like I said even with a thirty-five minute, thirty-minute uh, episode run times, they do feel dragged on a bit. Um, but overall, it didn't take away from the story or from the show quality itself. It just from a audience perspective, from a critic's perspective, to me, it was just like, ooh, there's things I would have like changed a bit, but. Still very entertaining, and I was late to the show after a week of not kind of putting it off. I'm like, I'm starting now, and I'm glad I did because I was very, very impressed with it. Um, and also a great soundtrack. You know, I, I, I'm a big soundtrack uh, nerd for movies and shows, and this show has some really good record uh, needle drops uh, either throughout the show, th- during the episodes, or at the end of the episode, during the end credits. And I love that. I love, again, big stuff like Space Jam and Like Mike and... Um, Think what else? Uh, like uh, Fast and Furious, uh, Lady Bird. Um, I'm a big uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm a big uh, Cruella. I'm a big soundtrack uh, uh, admirer and shows and TV and so uh, shows and movies. So it was, I, they had a, they brought a really good killer soundtrack to the show, which again I gave them points for as well. Um, it, in a way, it's I thought myself after watching the entire series, it reminded me. The show reminded me. Of a movie that came out during like the heart of the pandemic during 2020, uh, I August of 2020. It's called Unhinged with with with, with uh, Russell Crowe. I'm a big Russell Crowe fan, but that movie was awful, like awful, and had a great premise of like, what if you piss off the wrong guy who has road rage, and it kind of becomes your worst your worst nightmare. Great premise. You have a great actor, but that movie was garbage. That movie was just terrible because. You just no one was likable. No one just you just don't really care. It's the action was very very just generic, very low budget. But to me, this show this show explored the dangers of road rage. And someone who I definitely had road rage before in the past. After seeing this show, you know what? I don't care if someone cuts me off or flips me off or whatever. I will gonna keep cool because after seeing this show, you never know what might happen on the highway, on the streets, or your neighborhood. So I was like, you know what? This show taught me a lesson of like. No, no matter how bad it was, if someone took your parking space, keep cool because you never know what this person is capable of or what they might do or what they might, they might, might uh, take a picture of your license plate, whatever. So this show for sure taught me a valuable lesson in calming road rage because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not worth it whatsoever. Um, but like I said, it was it, the show was very, very well done. Um, it's, Again, you have the show really relies on these two main actors, Ali Wong and Steven Yoon. And like I said, they do bring their A game to this, and it's their dynamic is very, very interesting because they're enemies, but they have a lot of common at the same time. They have like things in common, also, they're like also kind of just like they're frustrated in their own lives, and they kind of brought it to each other. 
And I thought it was it's it's very interesting to see like a character study of two people who suffer from road rage as well as suffer from just like being lost in their own lives and not being in control of their own lives. I love seeing I love exploring that in TV shows and movies because it's it's very it's a very human thing that I think we all we can all like talk about is you know even though you and I might be different in you know economics and race and sex and um, you know backgrounds, but we do maybe some of us can like definitely like. Um, have a mutual thing, have a small mutual thing, whether it's road rage or whether it's, you know, sharing the same hobby or whatever. I thought it was very fascinating of like how they, how they explored the dynamic between these two guys, two characters, whether it's how different, how different they are, but also how similar they are at the same time. So I was very impressed with that. Um, it, the ending, I, I do feel like the, the ending had some questionable moments. I think it could have ended on episode nine. There's 10 episodes altogether. Um, and yeah, this is on Netflix. Um, Episode nine could have been the ending because it could have either ended on a cliffhanger or ended right there with uh, things that happened. Again, there's no spoilers, uh, and I do think it the show could have the show could have been a bit a bit better if it ended on that. Episode ten kind of like things happen, and again, I understand why you had to have it because you explain a few things. And the an ending that was kind of like oh, it was, it was okay ending. I just didn't it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't like oh my god, this is a fantastic ending, but it. It resolves certain things, but episode nine to me was like almost a perfect way of ending it. Whether you want to end it on a cliffhanger or end it on like kind of things, you know, things then things happen, and this is it's how it ends. So again, you want everyone wants a good happy ending or of some kind of a closure ending. So I do think that episode nine would have been a better ending to the show whatsoever. But again, overall, I'm giving Beef eight out of ten. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do next if they're going to do another season with these two characters or maybe season like an anthology series of like um season two same thing road rage incidents here's what happens boom 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 boom, boom. there's like what where's what uh, unfolds after a really bad road rage incident or like kind of something a similar incident whether it's like yeah, taking someone's parking spot or, you know, coming them, coming in line at Costco, whatever, something like that, something kind of silly or like similar to that, because I think you can explore, um, another character study of two different people, different backgrounds, different, uh, different incomes, different, you know, economics, but at the core of it, they are similar in their own weird way. So again, who knows? Uh, again, Kudos to A24 for having a great, another great project on their hands. I think what they're bringing for original content, whether it's on, on the big screen or on TV, is unmatched. Uh, A24 gives new filmmakers, independent filmmakers, kind of like free leeway to do whatever they want. And it's seen in their movies, whether it's, look, I mean, everywhere, everywhere, all everything, everywhere, all at once, won Best best uh, best Picture this year, the Oscars. So, And they, they, they gave the Daniels, hey, man, hey, guys, do your thing. Just do whatever you want to make or... The Safdie brothers look at yeah, Anka Gems and uh, uh, Good Time, or look at Greta Gorwig, Lady Bird. That was her first directorial debut, and look at her now. She's making the Barbie movie. So they're giving they're, they they are giving a lot of uh, leeway, also a lot of creative like freedom to their filmmakers. What things very to me very admiring, also very kind of refreshing because they are bringing original stuff to the table to the to the screen, both little and big screen. Because in a time like this, where we are definitely like bombarded with the next superhero movie, the next comic book movie, the next franchise. And after a while, yeah, it was all fun and dandy. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of those movies altogether. But when you see a mid-90s, when you see Uncut Gems, when you see a Lady Bird, you remember, like, wow, like, how amazing 
an independent film like that or how amazing, like how much that show that movie can capture you. And, and most of those projects are very, very low, low budget may no and like little to no marketing, but it's refreshing to see what they, what the ability they can bring to the, bring to the box office and the, and to TV. And they bring in so many audiences and, I like I definitely belong to the generation of A twenty four movies because I, I I remember the first one coming out I was in high school and it was, and that was Spring Breakers but yeah you heard me and Joel talk about it last I think two weeks ago on the podcast it's an awful movie and I'm like oh A twenty four this is what they make and I like being proven wrong and I remember seeing more of them after that and I was like wait they have they have more stock than just a really bad Spring Breakers you know James Franco movie uh, Selena Gomez movie so. I'm trying to think what else can I what else did I like from them a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh. Again, I'm, I'm a big mid-90s fan. Jonah Hill's one of my favorite filmmakers, favorite favorite actors. So it was fun. It was I love seeing a personal story told by him and his own voice. And again, Moonlight won Best Picture as well. So they've had, you know, they've had wins wins before in the Oscars, before uh everything everywhere all at once. And they just bring to such of like just unique and creativity to their to their projects. And I just again uh I love seeing what they bring because you never know what it might be. I'm, you know, I'm seeing uh, Bo's Afraid this week at an early screening with Walking Phoenix um, by Ari Aster, which I think I'm not a huge Ari Aster fan. I tried watching her at Terry. It wasn't for me. I see Midsummer, and it was very disturbing, and as that movie is. But uh, I am looking forward to seeing because I'm a huge Walking Phoenix fan, and again, I, and I love seeing original and weird and twisty stuff in movies and TV because you know after a while you see the same old formulaic stuff, and it's it's refreshing as a uh, aspiring filmmaker like myself, as well as uh, critic like myself, as well as you know someone who just loves movies and TV. It's fun seeing original stuff on the big screen and on TV. So I uh, definitely recommend Beef. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen Beef yet? Highly recommend. It's definitely one of the best shows this year, and maybe maybe the best show of the year so far. But uh, we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. But uh, yeah, guys, that that was my quick two, two quick reviews this week. Like I said, we're going to be bringing you a, a normal episode as usual on. This Friday, uh, episode number I think episode number fourteen or fifteen, I want to say, but uh, we do appreciate all your support. You know, we've had so much fun doing the show every week. Uh, you know, uh, grateful to you know Joel and Nick for hopping on every week uh, with Moses when he can when he can. We're you know we're growing the show. We're doing pretty good numbers. We're yeah you know, trying to expand our audience. We're trying to do more networking events in AZ and uh, uh, the Phoenix area. Trying to get involved more with the Phoenix film area and the Phoenix film community because it's a great community to be part of because. We all love movies. Well, we're all big movie nerds and movie and movie buffs, and just fun exploring more, talking about stuff every week and what's coming out and stuff like that. And you know, we have a big summer of movies coming out, whether it's Indiana Jones, Guardians, Fast Ten. Uh, you know, so much going on this summer. So it'll be a fun summer to kind of recap and review what we're gonna see, what we're gonna watch, and what we're uh, what we're planning on seeing. But. Hope you enjoyed this bonus episode I brought to you all this week. And as always, if you can hit that follow, subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or your podcast platform of choice, it means the world to us, guys. Uh, Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.